0: All right, here's the kickoff. Carolina Outdoors in session. Bill barty on this side. And Wes Lawson on this side. Wes, over the edge, mm. we went over a Embassy Suites, 10 stories or so. You and I, of course, we were raising money with the NASCAR Hall of Fame Foundation, and it was for uh, STEM schools in our area to help funding and to help Educate. Yep. We were able to be out there on the NASCAR Plaza. I saw some great pictures of you. They're available if you go over to jessebrowns.com or, of course, follow us Facebook or Instagram. But you in the NASCAR Plaza mm-hmm. with uh, young people from Mallard Creek STEM Academy yeah. showing them the sport of fly fishing.
1: Yeah, and we didn't even intend for that to happen. That was a happy accident. Uh, they asked for a demonstration, and then you and I had— off and on for probably half an hour, kids coming up to us wanting to learn how to fly cast, and a few of them came back. They broke away from one of their last activities and were getting pretty good. That was fun.
0: Now, what they were, I think, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. I think so, yeah. Is what they covered. What a great group of kids. And uh, I asked many of them if they fished any kind of fishing, and the answer uh, a lot of times was no. It was new to them, and I wondered what. What the fear factor in them may have been—it seems mild—but you have two guys out there, in the middle of downtown Charlotte, practically, in in front of a race car, and mm-hmm. you've got people uh, repelling off of the Embassy Suites next. I wonder what what they thought, or if they had any fear or trepidation at all before they grabbed hold of that fly rod and began learning how to cast for the very first time.
1: I bet a few of them did have some trepidation. I know the first couple did not. They came out with such enthusiasm and were so energetic in their cast. I don't think they did. But everybody else who was in that plaza had some fear and trepidation, not because the fly. Well, there were a few who I think wanted to come cast but didn't. Yes. But it was more the repelling or fear for the repellers than it was anything else.
0: Well, of course, you and I hang our hat over at Jesse Brown's Outdoors. 52 years, Jesse Brown's has been outfitting people in the Charlotte community, in the Carolina community for trips close to home, but also across the globe. And many times through that outfitting, we get to see people's fear mm-hmm, or or, mm-hmm. or shyness or resistance or worry or anxiety that they have before they do anything any sort of adventure now for some of us it may seem like the simplest thing i just want to learn to ride a bicycle right um we've talked on this program about adults who never did learn how to ride a bicycle but then they step forward and and tackle that that new thing uh, uh, get over their fears um, to do that um hiking Hiking is one of the easiest sports to do. Essentially, hiking is a walk, a walk in nature or a walk carrying your water Mm -hmm. and and snacks. But so many people are are worried that they do not know how to do it. They don't know where to go to do it, and they don't know if they should do it by themselves or if they have to have a group of people to do it. That's a, a, a kind of an example of a fear and of course on the carolina outdoors um we're here and at jesse brown's outdoors we're here to get over those fears so that people will get out there and enjoy what's free for all of us the outdoors but wes the over the edge part i wanted to ask you about that fear or if you even had any uh worry before you sat down in that harness Lean back. Of course, we had protection in there, so you know uh, we're wearing a harness. We're hooked in times two before we lean back. But it's still so very unnatural to be in downtown Charlotte and stepping off backwards of a building. What did you think,
1: Bill? I thought the hardest part was the hurry up and wait. Yeah, we we were inside in a conference room, yes, filling out Mm -hmm. paperwork, putting on. Very nice harnesses, very nice gear from professionals. I mean, they, they triple-checked before we were escorted to the roof with uh, other repellers. Went through the safety briefing, which, you know, when you, when you watch somebody do it, it's like, okay, I get it. But then, you know, I noticed when, when I had to get on that little platform just to test it all out, I was like, I feel like there's one too many things to do. There's more. There was more in front of me than I remember mm-hmm. the last time I repelled, which was a long time ago. Um, and that there was some confusion for me there, like, oh, well, this is different. Then we got checked again. So all of the safety checks, you know, I knew that nothing was going to happen. I, I, I committed to that belief. It was really hot on the roof. We were on top of that roof <laughs> yeah. for a long time. Um, so hats off to that crew who was there the whole day. But, yeah, when when they have you step through that gate and lean over the edge I forgot everything they said about how to use the equipment. <laughs> yes. All you do now is you just pull the lever back a little bit and you go. But I totally, my ADD kicked in and I was like, "Say it all one more time. Like, give me a tenth rundown real quick." Um, you know, Bill. Never mind that two eighth graders went down before us. <laughs> yeah. Um, so no
0: problem. So, Straight out of Marvin Ridge. No, no yeah, problem at all.
1: I was more hung up on that part of like. It's, it's a dummy-proof system, and I wasn't used to it. Um, and then once we got going, you know, you and I went down basically side by side, and it was fine. We could hear the PA announcer, you know, reading our bios, talking about who our favorite teachers were. So it was kind of surreal, um, but, you know, you can't look around too much and enjoy the view. Uh, the risk component, I think, is there, but I think more people were worried on our behalf than I felt but there was about a minute period up top where I was like um I'm going to mess this up somehow
0: I had the same feeling um and and maybe the gear cuz it was safety and for you climbers out there or repellers or military people out there essentially it was a a, a handled oversized industrial uh it was a uh, Petzl
1: descender it was a nice
0: yeah bit of setup um so and then it had another what was that other item a Grigri or a, a it's an auto device. auto braking yeah um, so that's what we had to deal with, where many people just use a little ATC or a figure eight, figure eight yeah. um, something like that to break. So we had the best safety equipment, um, but it still is uneasy. And I guess through all that, my question to you is, is that a requirement? Is that, is that bit of fear or that bit of anxiety or that bit of adrenaline on the front end of whatever you're about to do? Is that a requirement for the fulfillment of that adventure? So Mm. before the hiking trip, before stepping into a trout stream you've never stepped into before with a fly rod you've never held before, that bit of uneasiness, is that a requirement for the energy and fulfillment that you get once you know that you can do it?
1: This is like when we talked about um, the different styles of fishing a few episodes back about you know, lake fishing versus stream fishing. Mm, it's all mm-hmm. about the mindset. So if you're going into it like somebody who's excited about CrossFit or right. or like, I'm going to go run real far, real fast. You know, it's about that that high energy adrenaline. Sure, you need that. But some people view this as, as a meditative release like yoga or walking on their own at their own comfortable pace or some anglers, right? Where it's it's that release or even, you know, a lot of archery people are like that too. It's just them and this, this incantation of we're going to do these things, you know, one, two, three. Um, but yeah, if you want it to be an adventure, I maintain it needs to have that change in energy, that change in emotion. Otherwise, it's a trip, it's travel, it's an activity. But if you want it to be more. Emotionally, you have to have that. Uh, You know, for those people who were were working there, maybe they're adrenaline junkies. Maybe that's just what they do, and it's part of their job. They don't think twice about putting a harness on. They know how to use all that equipment. They do 137 of these a year. For us, and the purpose of the event, the risk had to be there because people wanted to give for the cause, helping children with education, but they also wanted to see if we were going to lose our cool. You know, would we scream? Would we get stuck and freeze up? Like, there's that portion to it. Oh, I'm going to send them. There's a little bit of that kind of fun needling vindiction. But for an adventure, I think you do kind of have to have some unknown.
0: It's a bit of character development along the way, I guess, because you're going to finish differently than you started. Yeah. Well, congratulations to you. First and off, you. Uh, you, you did have to wait for me because I was getting that third set of instructions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know. And my wife called to make sure uh, um, she knew where the insurance policy was That's and right. that the premium was paid. Well, you
1: did notice that some of the folks before us had to have their shoes taped on because they had inappropriate footwear on, and they don't want you to drop those because, you know, somebody's, somebody's uh, life is at stake and somebody's— um, reputation is at stake too ah
0: true and a quick shout out though speaking of that because the person who would get hit if a shoe fell off or the the ground crew and they said that the uh, the top of the building crew gets all the credit yeah but where the action happens good or bad is down at the bottom
1: well you know our last 20 feet we had to belay over an awning and they make sure that you don't hit the awning because if we had somebody would have gotten in trouble (laughs) Um, Yeah, they were working hard.
0: Speaking of getting in trouble, we're going to switch gears here on the Carolina Outdoors because this has made national and even international news, and it has to do with Lake Erie and a walleye tournament. And Wes, um, we had a face-to-face reckoning via social media between two participants uh, as a team and and the people putting on the tournament, and apparently— this had been going on all year, a little bit of cheating scandal.
1: And it's interesting that they would try to cheat with walleye as a fish because walleye, which we do have in North Carolina, stocked over in Lake James, I guess, but you know, most of our folks here, we don't see walleye. It's, it's like a perch. Um, they grow larger as they grow longer. They kind of grow in unison that way. It's very proportional. And these guys at the end of a tournament had fish that weighed significantly more than their length would allow so even even the tournament director was curious and they they weighed these fish they filleted one or two open and found 12 ounce weights in there um i mean these these guys i mean maybe committed a crime but they certainly cheated in
0: the tournament well here let's dig in a little deeper because again TikTok, Instagram, social media is where this release had happened. I had a chance to sit down with Dave Bergman at Jesse Brown's to talk about what happened and the ramifications.
2: So if you haven't seen it already, uh, this interested me a lot. So uh, the Lake Erie Walleye Tournament uh, Association Commission, um, they hold big walleye tournaments out in Ohio and Pennsylvania and anywhere on Lake Erie. Now, these tournaments are big. Uh, they're just like those big bass tournaments we have here. They have big payouts, and a lot of people make a living off of these tournaments. Uh, two anglers, we had uh, Jake Kaminsky and, uh, I'm sorry, Chase Kaminsky and Jake Runyon. Uh, they're a fishing team in these professional walleye tournaments. Now, these guys have won a lot of tournaments. they um, And they consider themselves, even in an interview with someone, we are winners and we are going to continue to win. And we just found out why recently at the last tournament of the season, the Lake Erie Walleye Tournament, their fish came out, uh, they were weighed, and then they had pictures taken of them. Immediately, other anglers started to murmur and notice and say, hey, those fish aren't as big as mine. And then... The, uh, one of the tournament uh, foremen, I guess you can say, noticed that these fish had really lumpy-looking stomachs. And everybody said, something's a little off here. So he walked over to the two of them, demanded that he seize those fish. Now, these are walleye tournaments. They're not like the bass tournaments. Uh,
0: well, and I wanted to ask you about that because this showed up in the social media videos that were released in bass tournaments and even the fly fishing trout tournaments, all of those fish are nor- normally released. Tell us what was in the videos in, in regards to these fish are not released. They are uh, essentially killed and gutted right there. And what did they find when they did that?
2: So the uh, the man in charge cut open their fish and found 8-ounce lead weights inside of these fish wrap and so to make it so it look like didn't look as lumpy they've wrapped walleye fillets around these weights and put them inside of the fish so they can have a bigger weigh-in on fish um this has actually changed the tournament circuit a lot people are going to really start um considering this in the rules especially in tournaments where you uh, kill and eat your fish walleye are really great table fare so these walleye um come in um, they come in dead, uh, cause those guys are going to eat those fish. And, uh, at first the two said, no, you can't, you can't see our fish. And eventually with some reluctancy, uh, he was able to get in there, gut the fish. And as soon as he pulled out the first one, he yelled, we got weights and fish, and the crowd went nuts. They went over there, started making threats, yelling, screaming. These guys have been robbing us all season, and I mean, these you the look on these guys' faces—it's they were absolutely mortified. Um, their sponsors have all been ripped away. They are never going to be able to fish in a walleye tournament again.
0: Well, so that's one of their punishments, but were any charges pressed because these guys are fishing for prize money that they have won over the course of a season, will they be prosecuted?
2: As of now, there is no prosecution. Um, I think they're going to get their punishment in having their names just smeared and being the ones who went down in history for changing the rules because of cheating. Um, And like I said, they're never going to be able to compete again in a walleye tournament, and they all their sponsorships are stripped away. They want a boat off one of these tournaments. I'm pretty sure that's going to be gone. Um, there's just no way to prove that they did it in the past, but um, they're not going to give them another chance again. I think that might be punishment enough. Now, if you were in the state of Texas where bass fishing is very serious and you were to pull something like this, it is considered a felony down there. They're, they were in Cleveland, so I don't know how they're going to handle it. But As of now, no charges have been made.
0: And in regards to walleye, you mentioned it and what a a wonderful fish it is to eat, but we don't have any walleye down south this way.
2: Uh, We do, actually. Uh, Lake James is a very popular place to catch them. So we do have walleye fisheries here. Um, I just ask that if you do catch them, please don't shove weights into them and try to win a tournament by doing so.
0: (laughs) That's Dave Bergman here on the Carolina Outdoors. Thanks a bunch, Dave. You
2: got it.